It's time once again for the Passion to Succeed podcast, where we explore the traits, mindsets, and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals. This show is for anyone who wants to make a difference, make more money, learn from the greatest minds, and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed. Here's your host, serial entrepreneur, successful author, and the world's most passionate master coach, Craig White. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Passion to Succeed podcast show, a podcast show really designed to raise your game, raise your beliefs in the opportunities that lie within you, around you, and before you. You know, I'm a real believer that we find ourselves in the entrepreneurial age now where there's a shift. People are starting to realize maybe they're undervalued, underpaid, underappreciated. And I'm really excited today to bring, quite frankly, an amazing guy to discuss success, passions, you know, principles that will enable you to go from where you are to where you want to be. I really want to discuss success where others fail. And I'd like to introduce you to a guy that over the last 50 years has consistently and persistently succeeded. And, you know, that's a test of time for you. And a gentleman that has actually successfully turned around 77 businesses in that 50-year span. So it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you today. And please give a warm welcome to our show show guest, Mr. Robert Thomas Bethel. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Craig. After that introduction, I think I should just hang up. <laughs> hey, well, it's uh, it's an inspiration, uh, Bob. What you have you've certainly created over the years, um, and it's you know, it's a real pleasure to to have somebody of of I guess your ilk and your consistent track record to to share your wisdom and and areas of focus for our entrepreneurial audience. So, well, can- I I appreciate that. Craig, uh, it it is the reason that I have written my book, Strengthen Your Business, because as you're aware, uh, half of all businesses fail, and that's just unnecessary, Craig. Period. Brilliant, and I, you know our show, our show guests and and, and listeners are, are going to love that because I think more often than not, people. You know, I guess have an idea, Bob. Uh, maybe you know want the freedom of being their own boss, but have that fear of the commonly branded philosophy that you know businesses fail in that first two to five years. So, from somebody of your your background and success, it's really great to hear that it is unnecessary. So, before before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of how people can raise their game and and turn their current journey into success, maybe even accelerating their success further. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and you know your humble beginnings and and where it kind of, I guess it, it all started from you as you went into that entrepreneurial world yourself? I did. Uh, as soon as I got out of college, I started a business, Craig, mm-hmm. that did extremely well for a couple of years. Uh, and of course, at that age, I thought that I knew everything. Uh, we hit a recession. And I found out exactly how dumb I was <laughs> and, and how lacking I was in information, uh, knowledge of running a business. And the long and short of it was I crashed and burned, uh, lost everything. I, I had built up a, a very significant net worth in a very short period of time 
and I lost everything. My house, cars, uh, a farm that had been in my family since the Revolutionary War. Uh, it, it was a real low point, but I was extremely fortunate. Uh, a good friend of my parents, who was an extremely wealthy man, had retired, but he still owned uh, 23 businesses, well, and he had turned those over to be managed by other people. Uh, they weren't doing well, and he came and sat down with me and said, I think you've learned valuable lessons. Uh, I don't think you'll fail again. I don't think you'll let it happen. And I want you to take over my businesses. I'm going to give you a nice piece of equity. And uh, so I, I took that, uh, ran those businesses, made them profitable, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. So it's amazing. Because you, I mean, if, if, if my memory serves me correctly, you, you actually graduated from the Owen School of Management at Vanderbilt uh, university. So, so what happened straight after that? Did you go straight into business or did you go into the employment world first? What, what was your journey prior to, you know, obviously your first failing business that, you know, hit all the challenges that I guess many people, you know, come about uh, before you had that opportunity to, to take the, the lead on these, these 23 businesses from the family friend? What, what was the beginning of your journey? Did you go into employment or was you straight into business? Did you have that entrepreneurial drive from an early age? Well, I, I did. Uh, I, I actually went to the University of Tennessee for undergraduate, and uh, as it turned out, I was working uh, in the North Sea. I had already started in the business of uh, turning around failing businesses, and we were, I, I owned an engineering company and we were working uh, in the North Sea off the coast of Scotland and uh, I had met T. Boone Pickens who, by the way, wrote the uh, foreword for my book and I came back to the hotel after a day of negotiating with the British Petroleum people and said to Boone, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really sick and tired of dealing with these Harvard MBAs. I, I really wonder what they know. And uh, he said, well, then you should get your MBA. Well, as it turned out, <laughs> Vanderbilt had started an uh, <clears throat> executive MBA program, which ran on weekends. And at the time, I was turning around three different businesses, a chain of 23 restaurants in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, an engineering company, uh, and a real estate development company. And I uh, signed on to the executive program at Vanderbilt. It was a tremendous experience because the dean had assembled professors for this MBA program, all of which who had been in the business world themselves uh, for a number of years. So we weren't taught abstract theory and concept. We were taught practical application. And it was, uh, 
it was a, a very trying time uh, to, to be involved in that program. Uh, at the same time, I was turning around these businesses, but as it turned out, it was a wealth of knowledge. Bob, you, you talk about turning around businesses, and I know obviously over the, the year we, we mentioned in your introduction that you've, you've successfully turned around 77 businesses. And, and I'm sure there's some nitty gritty that I'd like to get into because I guess, you know, people, businesses are always growing or going backwards. And I guess everyone in business always, uh, uh, you know, hits a stumbling block or maybe hits a roadblock, which is, you know, I guess character building for and setting them up for greater opportunity. But, but before we, we get into into that itself how did you how did you even get involved in turning businesses around because you know from the outside looking in if you if you forgive me for a moment you know when I went into the entrepreneurial world I I never had a vision of taking a business and making it better I my vision was starting my own business so how how did that even come about and what 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 drives you to do that well Craig I think that it goes back to my first business failing mm-hmm. <clears throat> and standing back and examining that after the fact and realizing all of the mistakes that I made uh, in, including these number one I didn't share financial information with my team I had about 50 employees Uh, I hid the truth from them. Uh, Of course, they knew that things weren't going well, but they didn't know how bad it was because I didn't tell them and I didn't ask for their help. Uh, The second thing that I came to realize is that I had no plan. Uh, And I'm not, you know, when when you say to uh, a company full of people, we're going to create a business plan, Instantly, they think of a three-inch thick Harvard business plan or something that you would uh, do at the SAID business school in Oxford. Uh, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about putting together a plan that establishes who is going to do what, to whom, when, and for how much. Because if you institute that into a company, then you have accountability. So that was the second thing. The third thing that I learned from my failure was that I was not measuring our performance on a daily basis. And so those became some of the things that I recognized. And and in my book, basically, what I have done is lay out 50 years of what I ran into in businesses that were in trouble and how we solved those things. So I I see the book, Craig, as failure insurance Mm -hmm. because if you could take a failing business and implement these strategies and procedures, and by the way, there isn't anything in this book that costs any money to do, to implement. So those were the things that I saw based on failure. And as time passed and as I took on, those 77 businesses, Craig, have been in 25 different industries. So my my point in saying that is I don't care what the business is. Mm -hmm. The, The ultimate fact is you must make a profit, period. 
Uh, if you don't, then you are limited to the amount of money you have, the amount of money investors will put up, or the amount of money you can borrow. And the fact of the matter is, all of those things run their course and dry up at a point in time if you're not making a profit. So the, the thing that I start off with when I buy a company is I bring the entire company together. Every single person is vested. And, and that's another thing I found in my failure, Craig, is I thought I was the owner. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't. Just because my name was on the papers, just because my name was on the debt, I wasn't the only owner. Every employee is vested. They depend on their check to raise their family, to pay their bills. And I realized that after the fact. So I bring everyone together. We create a plan. Now, I don't create the plan. I look to them to create our plan of how we're going to get out of this mess by making a profit. It's such a uh, such a good way to to look at business, and I guess you know many companies in this day and age, uh, I believe, would share similar philosophies. But I can see how those that fail, you know, clearly don't. They have that maybe that ego driven business where it's about I rather than we and that that collective focus on on everyone having um, the ownership of the business I guess giving them ownership empowers people to be an integral part of the team an integral part of that turnaround and growth so it means you have a collective working in on one mission Bob no no question about it you're right on target Craig and 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 the thing about it is I don't bring new people into these companies. Uh, the, that team is, I, I've, I've said this many times, I will accept 5% of the responsibility for the turnaround of these companies. 95% goes to that team. And I, I become a teacher and a coach. And the first thing, if you walk into any business anywhere on this earth, Craig, and you ask the employees, well, what business are you in? Well, they may tell you real estate or we manufacture widgets. And I stop that day one. No, that's not what we're in business for. We're in business to make a profit. The, the famous economist, John Kenneth Galbraith said, Without the short run, there is no long run. Mm -hmm. and, and that depends on profitability of the company. So you get the mindset day one on we're here to make a profit. And we can do that two ways. We can do that by raising revenue or we can do that by cutting costs. And I've never been smart enough. I've never gone into any of these businesses, Craig, thinking that I could raise revenue. Reason being, you and I could spend a million dollars this morning if we had a company uh, on advertising and attempting to raise our revenue. Uh, that actually is a roll of the dice because we have no guarantee that spending that million dollars is going to increase our revenue. But by the same token, 
each and every time I have said to the team, the first thing we need to do is become efficient. And therefore, I want you to look around. You're in the trenches. You know what's needed, not needed. Let's reduce costs. And in every one of these businesses, Craig, the least amount that we have reduced costs has been 34%. 34% reduction in expenses. <clears throat> and, and by the way, a number of these businesses, three, uh, have been over $300 million a year in revenue. So that's a heck of a task to reduce expenses. But all of a sudden, it, as you said, it empowers the team. They look around and say, you know, we really don't need this. We could sell this. We could do this, that, the other. So we do that, and then we put headlight accounting in place. And, and I think that is a, a vital step for entrepreneurs. Uh, stop and think about it, Craig. Mm -hmm. we, we use historical data looking back in business. And, and what I mean by that is at the end of January, you're going to pack your uh, books up for the month of January. You're going to send them to your CPA, and then he is going to wait until he gets your bank statements, which typically is the 7th or 8th of the month. And by the time you get January's profit and loss statement and the rest of your financials, your cash flow, your balance sheet, it's going to be the 15th of February. So you're looking back 45 days. And if huge mistakes have been made at the 1st of January, you're not going to know about it until February the 15th. So what we do is we take our business plan and that the team has put together of how we're going to be more efficient and profitable. And we chart that on whiteboards. We chart revenue. We may, if we're in manufacturing, we may chart uh, units of production per day and every single day, Craig, someone from accounting in the afternoon posts on that board where we are against our plan. And we put those boards, some companies that I've had, we've had six or seven of those whiteboards, but we put them where every employee can see them every day. They're not in the accounting office. They're in the coffee room. They're in a hallway where every employee sees where we are against the plan. So we put headlights on our accounting starting at the very beginning. It is a great silent motivator. Plus, everyone in the company knows within 24 hours exactly where we are against the plan. And I suggest that to every single, I don't care what kind of company it is, it works. It may seem silly, it may seem simple, uh, and you may have the greatest software package on earth. But my question to you is, how many people in the company are seeing that software? And, and let me give you an example. I, bu I bought an engineering company years ago they had just installed 
at that point in time, a half a million dollar IBM system. It was a very large company, several hundred people. And I think there were 12 managers inside that company. Each day, and this is back, Craig, uh, you remember the big green and white sheets that came out of the printer? Yep. That were two feet wide. Every day, accounting spit out those reports and someone from accounting went around and put them in those ring binders for every manager. So when I bought the company and the system wasn't working well, the, the IBM was living at the facility. And so I went to the head of accounting and I said, first of all, I talked to all of the managers. Uh, how do you like this system? Oh, it's great because the previous owner had said it was great. Uh, and I said, so you see it as necessary? Absolutely, yes. So I went to the head of accounting and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reprint today's report for the next week. And you better not say anything to anyone about this or you'll be fired. <laughs> so for the next week, he duplicated that day's report well. five times. At the end of those five days, I called a meeting of those managers and I said, bring your printout book and come to the conference room. They all did. And I said, now, I want to ask you a question that I asked you a week ago. How important is this computer system? And every one of them said, oh, yes, yes. It's very important. I said, so, so you review it on a daily basis. I said, absolutely. I said, okay, open your book and look at the last five days report. Dead silence in the room, Craig. Yeah. Okay. So, so a massive expense, by the way, I contacted IBM because the system was not working correctly. They took the system back and paid us back a half a million dollars. Uh, but my point is all of the information on earth, unless it's looked at is worthless. And, and there are a lot of businesses today uh, that are so bogged down printing out information that no one looks at. Let's, let's make it simple. Put it on the wall, the important matrix of your business so everybody can see where we are today, not last month, but today. Amazing. So, so when when you look at um, obviously you, you're bringing, you, I almost get a feeling you're bringing the, the 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 team together. You're creating a family, creating an environment for for people to take that ownership and flourish. But obviously, across twenty five different uh, organizations or, or or you know different industries, so to speak, which is re a really diverse range of organizations. How how do you how do you apply that knowledge? Is there a I mean, I guess in a way you've, you've touched on it, but how do you apply that to such different industries from, I guess, uh, restaurants to manufacture to um, petroleum, et cetera? How do, you, how do you apply that across the board? Craig, that's a great question. As a matter of fact, it, it, it is, I think, the most important thing that an entrepreneur can do, whether you are thinking about starting a business whether you have a business that's a year old or a business that's 25 years old. Here's the first thing that I do 
when I buy a business. <clears throat> I look at trade magazines and I get online and I identify the top five people success-wise in my industry. I then pick up the phone and I call those people. Very seldom do I get them on that call, but I leave word with their secretary that I have just bought a business that is in their industry. I need some advice and I would like to speak with the CEO of that company. In 52 years, Craig, I have always had that call returned, number one. Number two, when that person calls, I ask them, may I come and sit down with you for a few minutes and get your advice? Again, 52 years, I've never been turned down. I go sit down with those people. I take with me my plan, which includes a 90-day pro forma budget, and I tell them I need hard, harsh reality from you. You're very successful. You're at the top of this industry. Take a look at my plan. Give me advice. And Craig, every single entrepreneur ought to do that. And I go see all five of them. Because when I walk out of those meetings, I have a vast amount of knowledge. And, and by the way, <clears throat> those calls have included a number of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, including the chairman of the board of Westinghouse Electric. Wow. So the, the information is out there, and, and the thing that starts entrepreneurs a lot of times down the wrong road, Craig, is you and I get together today, and we're thinking about starting a company, so we brainstorm it. Afternoon, we go to the pub and have a few beers, and we're all excited about this. But guess what? We've done that in a vacuum. We're operating in a bubble because we don't know. So by setting down with experts who are successful, and, and I'm telling you, the, the information is out there. It doesn't cost you a dime. Now you're not gonna get some, a, a competitor across the street to give you that information, but I'm telling you, if you look for those successful leaders in your industry, they will bring you up to speed. I'll never forget, <clears throat> I bought a company that had a division that manufactured components for robots. And they, they had just made this invention. Uh, it had not gone to market. And I didn't know the first thing about robotics. Uh, I contacted Unimation which at that point in time was the world's first, and at that time, the largest manufacturer of industrial robots. And I called for Joe Engelberger, who was the CEO and the founder. And he returned my call. I told him uh, that I bought this company. Could I come see him? He said yes. His, his company was in Connecticut. I jumped on a plane. I went. I, I asked him for 30 minutes. I ended up spending two days with Joe. 
<laughs> he, he took me through the plant. I received a PhD in robotics <laughs> from the leading robotic manufacturer in the world because I asked. And I had tremendous confidence when I got back to the company as to how to position those products in the marketplace. This is a really exciting philosophy, Bob, and, and, it, and it almost reminds me, and sometimes we, we can forget about our journey and just to share with you and, and then ask you a really important question, I think, but going back um, myself when I was starting out in the direct selling world and I was maybe two to three years in and, you know, was achieving a, a level of success, but there was... There was a, a business, uh, an individual that was running a business that was really where I wanted to be, and their, their annual turnover was about twelve million a year, um, and they were, you know, creating a lot of freedom, coaching, mentoring, guiding thousands of people, and I really, you know, felt that connection, and, and I did exactly that, and actually I met the met this guy um, at an American diner here in the UK, and um, you know, for for lunch, and we ended up talking. And one of the things he said to me, and I'll always remember it, you know, we, we carry a lot of power when we totally understand and believe. And, and that sat with me um, all these years now. And we're probably, you know, 12, 12 years down the line. But my, but my question is to you, I, I understand the importance of that and, and have done it once on my, my personal you know, journey and, and probably, you know, thinking about it should be more focused, as should our listeners. So is there a particular successful approach that, that you used? Was there like a... I'm not sure if a script is the right terminology, Bob, but was there a certain way in which you approached these people so that they affiliated, they warmed with you, and obviously, importantly, they said, yes, Bob, come down and let's meet. Was there any way that you, in particular that you approached them that the listeners could maybe think, okay, that's great, I can take that and, and actually go and approach my top five? You know, I, I think that... <clears throat> I think sometimes in business... Uh, men allow their ego to get in the way of things. Okay. Uh, we're, we're somewhat like a, a, a gorilla in the jungle beating our chest as to how smart we are and uh, uh, how much we know. I, I think the answer to your question is uh, I, I am, when you fail, Craig, mm -hmm. you, you become very humble, and and I think I I have always to these people recognize uh, their success, and I have been very humble in my dealings with them as to honesty. I, I've said many times that you will probably never have, no, as a matter of fact, I'm sure of this, you will never have anyone on your show, Craig, mm -hmm. that is more brilliant than I am at knowing exactly how dumb I am. <laughs> okay? And, and I, think that, I think that's the key. Uh, I, have, I have no problem in telling someone, I don't know the first thing about this. Help me. Got you. Brilliant. Yeah, because I get the, the. I guess you know when 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 I consider what you what you're saying, and I, and I can really see the importance of learning from greatness and learning that brilliance. You know, I think you know what we don't know, we don't know. Um, but I guess it's almost that fear of rejection that can sometimes stop people when they are 
you know, um, humble and, you know, maybe they, they recognize their their lack of ability. And, you know, if you, you know, for me, if I was to look at somebody in the, the likes of maybe one of my mentors from a distance, Richard Branson, and, you know, just as a, a little example, Bob, you know, to, to approach him directly, there's almost a fear of rejection. Well, why would he talk to somebody uh, like myself, for example? Um, so that that's why I was asking, because I just wondered, but I, yeah. I like I like your response. You know, it's having that, that humble attitude and saying, look, you know, I don't know what can you teach me kind of philosophy. You know, a, a horrible, horrible thing about men, and, and I, by the way, I have never taken over a business in trouble from a woman. Uh, women do not share uh, our stupidity of ego. <laughs> and you're, you're exactly right. Uh, the vast majority of people do not do what I have just suggested because uh, they're too egotistical. They're too arrogant mm -hmm. uh, to humble themselves and tell someone that they need help with knowledge. Uh, there's no disgrace in that. As a matter of fact, just the opposite. I, uh, as I say, if there is one thing in, in my book uh, that if you were only going to do one thing, I would suggest that it be identify those five successful people in your industry and go see them. It's invaluable. Well, Bob, you know, I, I really do hope our listeners are listening. I, I certainly am. And uh, it's a pleasure to, to connect with you again. And, you know, I've, I've made my list of five and um, um, I've made some notes and I've certainly highlighted it. And that will be on my agenda over the coming few days. So I'm very grateful. Um, and I'm really well, sure. Let, our me, let, will me, be. let me add to that for a second. Okay. If, if anyone doesn't believe this, let me pose this. If I picked up the phone and called you this morning and said, Craig, I have identified you as having one of the top podcasts in the world. I'm getting ready to start a podcast. I, I have no knowledge of how to have a successful podcast. May I come to the UK and spend an hour with you. Craig, your ego is going to make you say, yes, Bob, come on. Because I've just identified you as a great man in your industry, okay? Yep. So the ego plays to my hand every time I contact one of these people because everyone loves to be recognized for their success. Yeah, of course. Fantastic. So when, when we look at the entrepreneurs that are, that are listening today, what, what kind of mindset would you suggest that they would need to embrace to, to be successful? I mean, obviously, we've got a great tip there. As you said, really one of the, the most important things that the entrepreneurs should focus on, you know, list their top five, you know, ask for that need of knowledge. I absolutely love that. And it's a great approach for people to learn from the best in their industry. What what other mindset attributes do people need to be a successful entrepreneur when when launching or even succeeding in business, Bob? 
T. Boone Pickens, who, who is one of my great business heroes, uh, made the quote a number of years ago that a fool with a plan can beat a genius without a plan. And, and I go back to the beginning of our conversation. It, it is one of the focal points because it connects everyone. So you must have a plan. Uh, it's, it's not a where we'll be 10 years from now, and it's not 50 pages about our industry, Craig. It's, again, who is going to do what, to whom, when, and for how much. So when everyone knows their role in the plan, they're accountable. And, and then you measure the plan so that everyone can see on a daily basis where the company is. And those matrix pull, as you pointed out earlier, they pull the team, they unite the team. And once you have people focus. First of all, everyone loves to be an underdog. So regardless, if your company is making a profit today and okay, it's time to step it up, we're going to make more profit, then, then you've got to ensure that you have an efficient operation. Uh, you wouldn't fill your petro tank up today if it had a hole in it. No, uh, and, and, and yet that's the way a lot of businesses operated. They, they have horrible inefficiencies that they don't deal with and they, they try and make that work. The other thing, Craig, is every entrepreneur, and think about this, uh, a, a great engineer comes up with either a service or a product that they think will work in the marketplace. Uh, so they start a company. The, the minute they do, they quit by necessity. They quit being an engineer. They're, they're now the boss. They're the CEO. They don't know a thing about accounting. They don't know a thing about marketing and sales. So they hand that to someone that they hope knows. You can't do it. The owner, the owner of a company, Craig, must be a general manager. Doesn't mean that you have to be able to do the accounting, but by golly, you must know it. So before someone jumps in, hey, I'm a great engineer, I've come up with a super product, I'm starting a company. Whoa, back up. You need to have knowledge of marketing, you need to have knowledge of manufacturing. You need to have knowledge of accounting uh, to understand it. You have you have links in the chain of your company. And trust me, when when things start to speed up, the weakest link in that chain is going to break at exactly the worst time. You have to be an orchestrator of cash flow. Uh, and, and those things are, are fundamental to the beginning of the journey of that company. And they're, they're absolutely necessary. So I say, I say to people starting a business, stand back, look at the different components 
that are going to make up your company and make sure you understand how they fit together because that great engineer may in fact have a great product, but if he can't implement it into the marketplace, it's worthless. Yep, got you. So, kind of moving forward, I guess, I know you've, you've launched your, your new book um, and forgive me my brain, I think it was launched this year in June actually, uh, Strengthen, Strengthen Your Business, um, Failproof Strategies from the Man That Rescued 77 Businesses. I mean, what, what a title, who wouldn't be empowered to pick that up? You know, is there, is there anything in particular in your book, um, in addition to what you've shared to us today that would, I guess, inspire our listeners to go out, grab a copy, whether it's a Kindle copy, a hardback, a paperback, whatever suits them um, from how they best learn. Um, is, there, is there anything in there? I mean, you talked about, um, obviously, it's unnecessary for businesses to fail. What, what's the number one reason businesses do fail, Bob? Well, Craig, surprisingly, you would think, since I buy businesses that are failing or are in default of their debt, you would, you would think they were in a downturn market. Craig, every one of these businesses has been in a growth mode. So if someone is sitting there today and saying, well, my business is increasing uh, uh, quarterly, uh, we're doing great, watch out. And, and the reason for that, Craig, is this. If you and I were put in two Ferraris this morning and told to go up Pikes Peak in Colorado at 20 miles an hour, I dare say that we'd both reach the top in fine order. Mm -hmm. Now, if we were told to take those same two Ferraris and go up that mountain at 170 miles an hour, I don't know about you, but I doubt if I'd make the top. <laughs> and the same, same thing, exactly the same thing, applies to businesses. They, they're doing fine at a slow speed. They gather speed and they are not prepared for it. So I lay out in the book the things that you need to do in order to grow uh, because I think it's a very good analogy about the Ferrari at different speeds. So the, the, the number one thing that, that I see in causing businesses to fail is they attempt to grow without putting the fundamentals in place that we've already talked about. Yep. So I lay those things out in the book as they, it, basically buying that book, Craig, would hopefully keep you from making 52 years worth of mistakes. Brilliant. And obviously sharing from the mistakes you've made over your entrepreneurial journey to empower people to make the right choices and, and take the correct actions. So, so why, yes. why, why now, I guess more than ever, would you suggest it's a perfect time for people to maybe start chasing, following their dreams and, and be aspirational and even start in their own business? Obviously, as long as they you know, do it correctly. Why, why now? Well, Craig, worldwide the interest rate has never been lower in my lifetime. And that's a long lifetime. Uh, therefore, it is a great time 
to capitalize. Actually, interest is about half of what it has been most of my business career, Craig. So that alone uh, makes it so much easier. Number two, we're in a growth economy. That's, that's a great time to, to launch a business. That coupled with low interest rates, uh, phenomenal time. And as I say, I've never seen those two items in such great shape for launching a business in my business career. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, Bob, for, for me, it's been an, an absolute pleasure to learn and, and listen to you today. And that's why I love. It's one of the reasons I started doing the podcast show, uh, uh, an opportunity to learn and, and indulge, but also to contribute on a, on a greater level. And, I, and I'm 100% confident our listeners are going to take um, you know, massive um, leaps forward f- with with the knowledge that they've learned today and obviously grabbing a, a copy of your new book strengthen your business thank you very much i know um, i'm sure that you've got a, a busy day ahead of you because um, you're, you're based out in alabama i believe with your you're living with your, your wife reese in in the in um is it orange beach area orange beach on the gulf of mexico yes sir beautiful hey well i've never been to that part of the world yet it's um it's on my my adventure list with my two little girls just waiting for them to be a couple of years older and then we're going to do a a two to three month tour i believe of of the of the sort of california san francisco right the way down towards mexico so um you know maybe we'll engage and, and touch base in the future bob but thank you very much for your time today it's an absolute pleasure um guys get over to amazon grab a copy of of bob's new book uh, strengthen your business and then let's look to really you know start making more profit and, and really get some of these principles in place to bring your teams together um identifying them successful people asking for help and i'm really moving forward with vigor passion and excitement bob thank you very much for your contribution today it's very much appreciated Craig, thank you so much for having me and thank you for what you are doing for small business. They need the help and and I appreciate very much what you're doing. That's much appreciated. Have a fantastic day. Same to you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media. Then subscribe, rate and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe, and join the community of passionate people. Music.